Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. All right, good morning. How's it going? Good, okay, cool. All right, all right, all right. Um, So I want to first take a second to look at something that I think we can all appreciate. I got a picture. Uh, This is Tucker. His name is Tucker. He's a great dog. Uh, This is Danica Charter's dog. She loves this dog very much. Um, And I'm pretty sure if you are ever in a position where you're going to buy Danica something for her birthday, if you buy, she will appreciate a, a gift for her dog more than a gift for her. I promise you that. I have bought this dog stuff. And uh, now he likes me more than he likes her. <laughs> she's going to kill me for saying that. No, but um, the reason I, I bring up Tucker, the reason I bring up dogs, is because dogs are incredibly loyal. Incredibly loyal. And those, some of, the, some of the, the best but also the worst videos that ever like, started going through Facebook were those videos of um, when people would come home from being deployed, like in the military, and they'd come home to their dogs. You guys remember those videos? And the dog is yelping and jumping and screaming because they miss their owner so much because that loyalty is so strong. They, they love their owner so much. And that's, honestly, I can't really watch those videos in public because um, I, I cry like a little baby um, because it's so touching. Um, but dogs are so loyal, and I've always, this is a little bit of a hot take probably for some of you, but I've always kind of wanted to buy a puppy, just like straight from the litter, mostly because the loyalty that grows is so crazy strong. You know those those guys that can just like grunt, and the dog will just jump in the back of their truck, you know? They like know each other so well, and it's like, "Eh," and they like jump in the back of the truck, and they they like park at Fred Meyer, Right, and they just walk in and leave their dog in the back of the truck. I've never really understood that. It's so crazy. Like, how can you trust your dog so much to just leave your dog in the back of the truck and go in the shop? But it's because of that loyalty. That loyalty is so strong that the dog decides to stay in the back of the truck because they're loyal to their owner. They love their owner so much. And the reason I bring up dogs is because we are going into a series on Galatians, the book of Galatians. And This book, this letter, was written by, obviously, a man named Paul, as we all know. And uh, I bring this up because I think, in some ways, Paul is a lot like a dog. Um, We'll get uh, get more on that later. Um, Don't worry, I'll explain that a little bit. But um, before we jump in, as we all know, if we're going to understand Galatians, we have to understand the context. We have to understand what is happening here in Galatia. In Galatia, this church is very dear to the, the heart of Paul. Paul planted this church, taught them how to be a Christian community, taught them what the gospel was, what the truth of Jesus was, and he, he had gone away, he had moved on to other ministry, and he caught word that they were turning away from those things, those teachings, that they were, they were turning toward these, the teachings of the Judaizers, who were basically teaching that Christ was not enough. Basically, was, were teaching that works were needed for salvation. This is what they were teaching, and the Galatians were turning to those. Paul heard of that, and he was devastated. So throughout this whole letter, 
One of his main goals in this letter is to communicate to the Galatians that works are not necessary for salvation. And in chapter 2, verse 16, it says, By works of the law, no one will be justified. You cannot be justified by works. In 2.21, it says, I do not nullify the grace of God if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If I could be righteous by works of the law, Christ never would have had to die. And then in chapter 5, Paul starts talking about how we, as Christians, have been set free from the law. But then he says in verses 13 and 14, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. From the whole, for, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, that you love your neighbor as yourself. This is the true gospel. This is what sal- where salvation comes from. Works are not necessary in that process. This is what Paul is communicating. So, to start his letter, in verse 1, uh, you can, if you want to turn there or it's up on the screen, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So from the very beginning, from the very first verse, Paul is alluding to this fact that we cannot trust the voice of man. We can only trust the voice of God. He's bringing this not through man, not from man, but through God, the voice of God. This is the voice that we can trust. And what breaks Paul's heart the most is in Galatia at this time, the voices of these Judaizers are overpowering the voice of God. They're overpowering the voice of God, and the Galatians are turning to them. They're turning away from what Paul had originally taught them, turning away from the truth of the gospel toward the voice of these Judaizers who were teaching, were trying to convince these people that, that works are necessary for salvation, trying to convince them that Christ is not enough. And if we pay really close attention to Paul's wording in this letter, we can see that it, it almost seems as though the Judaizers are, are accusing him of something else. It almost seems as though they're accusing Paul of, um, of leaving out this detail in order to please his listeners. And the Judaizers are accusing him of this. And we'll, we'll look at more on that later, more on what Paul has to say about that specific thing. But I think it's important. So then Paul, after this, he, he finishes his greeting, and then he gets in, in verse 6, he gets into his reason for writing to the Galatians. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Strong, strong words. Strong words here. Right at the very first one, I am astonished. He is stunned. He is blown away. It's like he, it's, it makes no sense that these people are so quickly turning. It's like he's, he's defeated in a way. He's defeated that they're so quickly turning away 
from the gospel, from what he had shared with them before. He was astonished. And he said, and it's the fresh, the big, one of the big frustrating parts about this is because they're, they're turning to the voice of these Judaizers, away from the voice of God. The voice of the Judaizers is overpowering the voice of God, and they're turning away from what Paul had originally taught them the gospel was. They're turning away. And this is blowing him away. It's frustrating. It's always frustrating when you, when you try to ask somebody to do something and they agree to it and then they immediately turn away from it. You parents in here probably can relate to that. Um, I can relate to that in some ways because I've volunteered in youth ministry for, for a while, uh, leading small groups. Uh, a lot of middle school guy small groups is what I've been involved in. Gabe, you know. You know. Um, but you, you know those times when it's like you're leading the small group and it's just like craziness nobody's listening and you're not getting anywhere and then you just take a moment and you're like, okay guys, here's the deal. I need, I need 10 minutes from you, okay? 10 minutes of seriousness and then you can do whatever you want. We'll, leave, we'll even leave early, okay? Give, just give me 10 minutes of seriousness and we'll leave, okay? Is that good? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we could totally do that. You, we got that, right? We got that, we're cool. And then they're silent, they're good. You talk for like two minutes, right? They start giggling, one of them starts giggling. You see the, like, the shirts start coming up, you know? And then they're all giggling, you know? And you're like, and you start smelling it, and you're like, okay, it's over. You can't recover from that. But the frustrating thing about that is you ask them, hey, can I just have 10 minutes of seriousness, 10 minutes of focus from you? And they agreed to it. They said, yeah, sure, I can, I'll give you 10 minutes. Two minutes in, they're already derailed. It's frustrating. And I can imagine Paul's frustration was was kind of like that, but way more, because <laughs> he told them what the gospel was. He told them what the truth was, and very quickly, they turned away from that. Very quickly, the voices of the Judaizers who were teaching otherwise, he overpowered the voice of God, overpowered the voice that Paul had spoken into their lives. Very quickly. Frustrating. I, am, I can imagine that that is frustrating. He told them exactly what they're supposed to do to be a Christian community, and they turned from it. He's astonished, and he's astonished that they're so quickly deserting God. That's the next word that I want to focus on. They're deserting the gospel. It's like a complete change in allegiance. They were, they were, their allegiance was to God, was to the truth of the gospel, but they decided they're going to change their allegiance and desert the gospel, desert the truth. It's like if you buy a dog and it chooses to love your best friend more than it loves you, you know? Um, no, but <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble later for that. Um, no, but this, it's this change of allegiance. They're cha- they change their allegiance to the truth of, from the truth of the gospel to the voice of these Judaizers. And he says prior in his greeting... Uh, the part that I skipped, he says this, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the God. That is the God that they were deserting. They're deserting this God that has done so much for them. He's desert, they're deserting that God. And he's astonished that they're so quickly deserting them, deserting that, deserting that God, turning away. 
And Paul kind of, ne- his next words, he kind of fakes us out a little bit, his readers, and he's like, yeah, and they're turning to a different gospel. And then he's like, well, there's not really a different gospel, but they're turning to it. They're turning away. So what that, this, this gospel, this other gospel, is, it's the next word I want to talk about, this different gospel. Is there really a different gospel? And Paul says, no. There's not, the, 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 what they have turned to is not the gospel. What they have turned to is so different, so other than that it is no longer the gospel. The gospel has been compromised. The truth of the gospel has been compromised. And what this means is it's not some small semantic disagreement. It's not a denominational disagreement or difference. It's a salvation issue. The gospel has been compromised. It's not different. It is other than the gospel. It is not the gospel at all. They've turned away, and this is a big, big deal. And he taught these people the truth of the gospel. He taught the Galatians the truth, and that the gospel can only come from the voice of God, yet they turned to the voice of the Judaizers. They turned away to something that's not the gospel at all. Paul didn't just leave out a detail. That's not something that ever belonged in the gospel to begin with. He didn't leave it out. It never was meant to be there. Yet these Judaizers seem to be accusing Paul of leaving this out. In verse 10, it says this, For now am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I seeking to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is a servant of Christ. And if he had left something out of the gospel, misrepresented the gospel, he would then be seeking to please man. His allegiance would be to man and not God. But he is a servant of God, so he's chosen to be loyal to the gospel. Works are not needed. The law is fulfilled in love, and we are called to love. As Christians, we are called to love God and serve God. God in love. And Paul's setting up this example of loyalty. What is loyalty? What does loyalty look like and where should it go? Where should our loyalty go? So we have a choice to make. We can either choose to be loyal to the truth of the gospel, choose to be loyal and present the gospel as it is meant to be presented, or choose to be loyal to man And misrepresent the gospel in order to please man in some way. That is the decision we have to make. And as Christians, as Christian leaders, we have to choose the gospel. We have to choose to be loyal to the gospel. Our loyalty cannot go both ways. We need to choose to be loyal to the truth of the gospel. We need to choose to stand as servants. We need to choose to stand as servants. And the reality is that false teaching is going to come. False teaching is going to show up. It always does. And our job is to understand the truth of the gospel. And as Bible college students, as people in ministry, this should come easy to us because we spend a lot of time in the classroom studying the word, 
studying the word on our own. We should be pretty familiar with the gospel. And this is all typical stuff. This is stuff that we've all heard. But I think that there's more, there are more implications for our life than, than just this. I think there's more implication. I want to get to it. What does it mean to be loyal to the gospel? I think there's more here. And when this false teaching came in Galatia, Paul stood for the gospel because salvation was at stake. Paul stood because salvation was at stake. The gospel was compromised. So what this means for us is when there is a salvation issue, when there is a difference that changes the gospel to something that's no longer the gospel at all, when when salvation is at stake, that is when we need to stand. That's when we need to stand alongside with loyalty to the truth of the gospel. But what that also, I think, what that also says to us is when there is some small semantic denominational disagreement, I think there's, there's times when it's best to sit. I think there's times when it's best. There might be a, a point where we need to sit and coach and, and work through that disagreement but when salvation is not at stake, I think there are times when it is best to, sti- to, to sit. But when salvation is at stake, when the gospel has been compromised, when the truth, the false teaching that has been taught has compromised what the truth of the gospel is, when it has overpowered the voice of God, that is when we are called to stand. That is when we are called to stand as servants. Stand for the truth of the gospel as servants to God. So, and Paul even, Paul even said himself, he said, am I seeking to please man or am I a servant of God? We know that Paul is a servant of God. And we have to choose. Are we going to be loyal to the gospel or are we going to be loyal to man? We can't serve both. We can't serve two masters. Our loyalty can only go one way, and we are called to be loyal to God and to the gospel. We are called to be servants of God. We are called to stand against false teaching and stand with God and serve God in love and stand against any false teaching that compromises the gospel. And a servant of God, a real servant of God, recognizes that the truth of the gospel does not require works. Back to what Paul is trying to communicate through this whole letter, is that salvation does not require works. And many of us in here, we have encountered people who have had the question, am I good enough for salvation? Many of us in here have asked that same question about ourselves. Am I good enough for salvation? And, and I think the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of all of this is that we can rest in the fact that we're not we, we don't have to be good enough. There is nothing that we can do to be good enough. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. We cannot be good enough. We don't have to be good enough. This means that we have one job. We have, our job is to love, to serve God in love because love is the fulfillment of the law. And if we give in to those thoughts those needs to be good enough, if we, if we give into that and start to work and try to, try to earn our salvation and try to show others that we need to earn our salvation through our works, then we have turned away from the gospel. We have turned away from the, the reality that 
All we need is Christ. That is by grace through faith. If we turn to those things, we, we have no, we're no longer bond servants of Christ, but we're then slaves to our works. We get chained down by this expectation to be good enough that gets in the way of our one job to love and to serve God in love, to stand for the gospel as servants of God. We're called to uphold the gospel and to be servants of God, and Satan wants us to fail in that. He wants us to fail. There's a lot of people in here. There's people who are in, in ministry currently, people who are training to be in ministry, people who are in the workforce, training to be in the works, workforce, all sorts of people in this room. Whoever you all are, Satan wants to fill your head with lies. You're not good enough. You need to do better. When these lies come, it is our job to stand. Stand in the truth of the gospel that we don't have to be good enough. We serve a God who is. We serve a God who works through us and is good enough. We need to stand as servants. So we serve a God who's done so much for us. I'm going to read it again. He's, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver, deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. We're called to serve this God. And when anything fills our minds that is contrary to the gospel, we are called to stand as servants. I'm the, I'm the youth pastor currently at Canyon Springs Christian Church. And I know very well that there are people who could do this job better than I can. I know that there are people in this room who could do this job better than I can. But I am confident, I am so confident that this is where God has me. I am confident that I have God on my side, that I don't have to be the best candidate by myself because God is with me. God is on my side. But Satan, he still tries to fill my head with these lies. You're not good enough, John. You need to do better, John. And the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the God that we serve is that I get to look Satan in the face and I get to tell him that I don't have to be. I don't have to be good enough. I serve a God who is. I serve a God who is good enough. I serve a God who, who loves, who, who cares about me, who works through me. My job is to stand a servant. My job is to stand with the truth of the gospel. Stand with the truth that is not by my strength or by anything that I do, but is by what God does through me. I need to stand a servant. So, uh, Paul, it's kind of like a dog at times. <laughs> to get back to that, a little rough transition. Um, He's like a dog at times because he is so loyal to the gospel. He was so loyal to the truth of what the gospel is. And he stood for the gospel as a servant of God. And God is calling us to do the same. God, I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace um, for this time where we can learn and we can grow together as servants. I just pray that, Lord, we would go from this place with that humility in mind. It's by your strength and not our own. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.